Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. First of all, my name's Randy. I am a compulsive overeater and extremely grateful to be here. And through the grace of my higher power and this program, I have been abstinent since March 4th of 1976. So that's a shade over 45 years, one day at a time. And I really want to emphasize that. I was lucky enough that I found the program at age 23. So I was a young one. And thank God I was spared a lot of years of obesity, but I think I packed more eating into those 23 years than a lot of people do in a lifetime. The fact is, I had to reach my bottom in order to get my ass. And the truth of the matter is that I hope that I never, never forget that last binge. Because you know how they say that those who forget history are destined to repeat it? I honestly believe for myself that that's really true with respect to compulsive overeating. And if I kind of forget what it was like, my higher power has this macabre sense of humor that something will happen, a random thought a random encounter with somebody either in program or not in program that always serves to remind me that, oh, this is what it could be like for you if you went back to compulsive overeating. And it's not just the weight. From the time I was maybe five or six years old, I knew that there was something weird about the way that I ate, that I did not eat like normal people. I did not have the relationship with food like normal people. Food was my life from an early age. Aside from the obesity, it was the preoccupation and obsession with food and weight and diet. And that's the way it always was. And I knew that that somehow wasn't normal. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it had a name. All I knew was that I was just different from everybody else. I used to think it was because I was smarter than everybody else. My parents are both doctors. And they really wanted me to go into the family business, so to speak. So I was always told that, well, you're not attractive. You're not popular. You don't have a real good personality. 
So you may as well be smart. So I felt like being smart was the only thing that I had going for me in my life. Oh, and by the way, um, there was always the, you're fat as well. As a matter of fact, after I had lost my weight, I ran into some distant relatives who hadn't seen me for a while. And when I was introduced, the question was not, oh, are you Elmer's daughter? The question was, were you the fat one or the skinny one? That's how I was defined growing up as the fat, smart kid. And then at age 17, I went to college. And all of a sudden, I wasn't the smartest one in the room. I got into a very prestigious university, and I wasn't the smartest one, and I couldn't handle it. Between September and Thanksgiving vacation, I had put on 40 pounds. Just because, number one, I was freed from the control of my family, and number two, I could do whatever I want. I mean, my God, I could have my binge foods five times a day if I wanted to, and the weight just kept going up and up and up all through my undergraduate and graduate school years, till at age 23, I didn't know what to do. And I waddled into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting, March 4th of 76, in Cleveland, Ohio, at age 23. I walked in. There were probably about 200 people in the room. I sat in the back of the room, scared to death. Because fear definitely ran my life up until then. I later found out there were other things that ruled my life, but I thought that it was fear and this food obsession. And suddenly, I was home. I don't know why, but it was this feeling that just came over me, that I was in the right place that what I had had a name. I wasn't weak-willed. I wasn't just fat. I was a compulsive overeater. I was like an alcoholic with food. And like the 12 steps were a solution for people with the disease of alcoholism, the 12 steps provided me hope for that disease of compulsive overeating. I didn't know what this abstinence thing was, but I knew that I had to have it. That first night, there were placards all along the front of the room. And one of the placards said, abstinence is the most important thing in your life without exception. I believed that then, I believe it today that my abstinence is the most important thing. And anything, anything that gets in the way of my abstinence 
needs to be dealt with by taking the 12 steps of recovery and I would find out later reliance on a power greater than myself. I didn't know what this abstinence thing was, but I knew I had to have it because it was a hell of a lot better than anything else that I had going in my life at the moment. And I made that conscious decision that night that come hell or high water, I was going to do anything to maintain that gift that was given to me of abstinence. I went up to the leader at the end of the meeting and I said, okay, I'm in. What do I do? She said, this is what you're going to do. You, at that point in time, there were only two food plans. One was on a gray sheet of paper. One was on an orange sheet of paper. She said, you're going to pick one of these two food plans. You're going to call me every single day at this time of the morning. You're going to tell me what you ate, what you're going to eat. You know, it's like, yes, ma'am. And she also said, you're going to journal for at least 15 minutes a day. And I did that, and I still do it. I learned that it took, you know, maybe a year or so to for me to lose the weight. And then the second year of abstinence was probably one of the worst years I'd ever had emotionally because all of a sudden I realized why it was that I ate. And it wasn't just fear. It was fear. It was anger. It was ego. Sorry about that. Um, and I knew that if I didn't deal with those things, that I was going to go back to eating again, and who knows how much worse it was going to get. That's when I learned about the thing called the 12 steps. I knew I was powerless over food. And then came this step two thing about a power greater than myself. I thought that my intellect was the power greater than myself. I always thought I was smarter, but, you know, being smart got me to the gutter. And when it, when I think that I can do anything, when it thinks, when I think my life is unmanageable, it's usually be, when it digging right down into it, I believe that it's because I'm believing that the power greater than myself is me and not HP as I define him. So I kind of sort of made the admission that, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not the be all and the end all. But turning my life over to a powder power greater than myself is something that is still a challenge for me sometimes. That 
turning my will and my life over to the power of God as I understood him. Now, I was brought up, brought up in a fairly religious household. I had this concept that God could part the Red Sea and that we were the chosen people, blah, 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 blah. But as far as my daily life went, God had absolutely no relevance to me whatsoever. That's why for me, and this is just my story, for me, I have to separate God and higher power. Through this program, I did become a more observant Jew. But my Jewishness um, and my program of recovery are two different things. So I prefer to refer to HP as far as my recovery and program goes. And I don't necessarily talk about God that much. Going through the steps in every aspect of my life. How much time do I have left, by the way? Um, can the timer please let me know how much time I have left? All right, I don't. Susan, are you there? Jackson, having trouble. Um, okay. Um, Mark, do you have any idea when she started? I'll just keep going. For a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because how do you summarize 45 years of abstinence in 18 minutes? I've been through a lot of life experiences. I've gained jobs. I've lost jobs. I went through two pregnancies, abstinence. And thank God, I have two kids, two grandchildren, one on the way. And, you know, I never would have had that. I'm so grateful for having that. I went through some issues. I'm not going to go into all the details, but after about 35 years of abstinence, my marriage fell apart. Due to many legal issues, and that's all I'm going to say about that because that's another program, but I got through it abstinent with the fellowship of this program. I didn't, I went through situations where I could very easily have gained 50, 70, 100 pounds. And you know something? I'm still the weight now that I was then. Thank God for that. I've been in a new relationship for almost 10 years now. It's kind of weird that I get to learn what a an abstinent relationship is really like. I recently retired, which is something that I never thought that I could do. 
I thought that I was going to have to work for the rest of my life because I wasn't good enough to be able to save money or I couldn't manage money well enough. Guess what? I retired two years ago. About seven years ago now, I moved to Tucson, Arizona. And life is good. Life, life is really good. I'm really glad to see everybody. If I could leave you with one story, I'd like to leave it with this. About 15 years ago, I was having trouble at work. I, I had taken a job based on money, property, prestige, and three weeks in Paris. And it was a rolling disaster. I knew that I was going to get fired from the job. So I said, okay, damn, got to hit the resume again. Now, I had sent out 532 resumes to get that horrible job. I decided to do a little bit of different, a little bit different this time. I prayed for the job that God would have me have. And I wrote a resume based on that job. I didn't know what it was. I asked a couple of friends to help me. But I had this resume. And then I had a list of about 20 companies that I really, really, really wanted to work for. The day after I turned it completely over to my higher power, wrote this resume, wrote the list of companies, I get a phone call from a friend of mine in Toronto, Canada. He is of a different faith from me, but we talk spirituality all the time. He said to me, and I quote, I just got a job with this company. They have an opening in Los Angeles, and God told me you'd be interested. It's that dream job that we talked about for the last 15 years. I said, you'll get my resume in five minutes. He said, don't you want to see the job description? I said, fine, send me the job description. I looked at the job description. I looked at the resume. I didn't have to change a single word. I, God had led me to write the resume for this, for this job. And by the way, the company was number two on my list of 20. Hi, Randy. And that was the list that, and that was the job I had until I retired. Um, Right then and there, I knew that God existed and that God will lead me through my life. So thank you for letting me share, and I apologize if I went over a little bit.